I almost forget about it. It was so long ago. Um, I'm 37. So life's kind of happened a little bit. Um, I mm-hmm. had a um, religious family, uh, really Christian Pentecostal. My dad was a pastor and he, they just, he took it too far. Um, yeah. Was so really just, isolated. So yeah, was really, Would you consider yourself a Christian now? Oh, no. no. Okay. Um, I am religious, not, excuse me, not religious, <laughs> spiritual. Um, yeah. I'm rather spiritual. Um, but, but, but putting these rules and these confines, you know, around your beliefs, if you mm-hmm. do A, B, and C, you know, you'll get D. Like, I don't, that's not, that's, that's not correct um, in my eyes. Um, so it was a really limiting childhood. I was, my dad was also mentally unhealthy, so he just took things too far, whether he realized what he was doing or not. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of abuse. Um, it, it was just fucked up um, completely. Um, I didn't know what the real world was actually about. They taught me what they wanted the world to be, not what it actually was. Um, yeah. I was completely sheltered. I was locked up in my room a lot. Um, so when I got out into the real world, he threw me out. I was almost or just turning 17. Yeah. Um, you know, I stepped out into this world. I mean, it was a snow. I remember it clear as day. It was a snowy day. I lived in a town where we got snow every winter. It was pretty. Um, it was a snowy day. It was cold. It was the middle of winter. He was on one of his rants and he was screaming at me and he opened my window and he's like, you want to leave? You can you can leave. And he started throwing my stuff out in the snow. Now I knew nothing about the world. Um, so my friend, my, my girlfriend, she came and she drove across town. It took her 40 minutes to get to my house and she picked me up and my stuff and I was homeless. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't allowed to ever hang out with people. So I didn't, like yeah. have a friend's house to go to uh except i had this one friend and she let me put my stuff in the trunk of her car and she's like well you can't come with me you know my parents you know and but you can i guess get into my trunk and get your stuff whenever you need it so i would um kind of wander around a lot in the snow nowhere to sleep nothing to eat and and you know coming from an just a moment coming from an abusive home you know an abusive situation into Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of abusive to fling me out like that um a lot of abusive things happened and I was put in a lot of bad bad situations and it like my head was already fucked up from everything and so my head was really fucked up and I I had no tools I I didn't know how to do anything I didn't know about the world um yeah, I probably had very I'm few social to... skills as well because of all that isolation. Right. Um, so I'm trying to figure it out while all this traumatic shit is going on around me. I didn't, you know, I was doing my best, which wasn't very good, but that's all I had. Um, and in an attempt to, I don't know, be normal, figure it out, um, somewhere along the lines, I, I, I knew I needed help, duh. I was, you know, screwed up. I wanted some kind of stability. And um, eventually I 
I can't remember. I'm trying to think how I got over to the doctor or whatever. Um, but I made it over to one eventually. And I had heard about this thing called bipolar and I hadn't heard of anything else. Just that I didn't even yeah. know like schizophrenia. There's all these tons of narcissism oh, yeah. borderline, but I just heard this one thing and you know, there wasn't much internet, get out your smartphone and, and research at that time, you know, you just hear yeah. things. And um, so I went to a doctor and I said, Oh, this, this bipolar thing, maybe that's me. And he's like, sure, here's a script here, uh, a prescription. So it didn't work, you know? And so we went through a whole bunch of different medications, different doctors. And mm-hmm. before I knew it, I'm on these heavy things like lithium, um, all kinds of stuff. They were very heavy drugs. And so, when I eventually got off of them, it was like, I don't know. It was, it took days to come off of it. I was like in this weird warped state. Like I was like in a different reality. It was just horrible. Wasn't even bipolar come to find out. I would, I would hate to say misdiagnosed cause he didn't really diagnose me. He just goes, Oh, okay. Writes on a yeah. newspaper. Here's, you know, um, yeah. like, I mean, now knowing what I know, it's like, wow, we really dove into my, uh, we dove into my psyche there. Didn't we doctor? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No kidding. So yeah, that, that was that. Um, I thought it was working a little bit for a while, but it wasn't hitting the cord. It wasn't taking care of the problem. Yeah. That first, it was probably just psychosomatic. You know, you were taking something and you're like, Oh, Uh this has got to be helping me. So you feel a little bit better, but it's not actually. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm taking this medicine. Good for me. Um, it's helping. Yeah. Yeah. So you started taking medications when you were homeless. Is that, I'm trying to think when that started. Um, oh, okay. I remember I was 22 or 23 and I was with this guy. It was actually a a long-term boyfriend. He, He was the only guy I dated that wasn't chaotic. He was like the normal, the most normal of them all. Um, and he was like, and he, he, he wasn't chaotic and crazy. He was, he was mellow and mm-hmm. uh, mentally sane and healthy. Um, and he's like, I, you know, I, I can't really handle this, like how I was, you know, he's like, I, I think maybe you should, you know, see a doctor. Well, I didn't even know that you could get help for something like that. And I was all for it. I was hurting inside. I was starving yeah. for clarity and help and cure something yeah. and I was like okay yeah and he's like I and he, he I think it was him that suggested maybe it's for a uh, bipolar um you know because I was all over the place obviously I was yeah. fresh out of a hundred traumas I mean um he didn't know he just said uh, you know I love you but you I can't you got to do something I can't take this you know so yeah. I, I did and yeah that's where that was so I was about 22 or 23 and I took those for years Okay. About how many years do you know? Um, Okay, so maybe till I was about 29, maybe, I'm trying to think. Yeah, about 29. Um, Kitty. Sorry if you hear that. Uh, Maybe till I was about 29. I mean... 
mixed in with street drugs and alcohol and everything else. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering now what, why I'm not on anything, um, it, nothing was working, you know, I, I drank myself retarded for so many years and it numbed it for a while. The pills, the other pills, the, the street pills, you know, those were working for a while. But there was a certain point years later in my addiction that it all stopped working and I got scared, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, the alcohol isn't working anymore. The drugs aren't working. Nothing's working. Yeah. And I, um, I went off the deep end and hit my low point and, um, I just, I got sick of it and I just dove deep inside and I, I was like, I'm not going to come. I'm not going to go on any longer until I figure this shit out. And within a couple of years, I completely just, I guess, took a look at myself. I stepped away from everybody. I knew I moved out of town. I didn't want any influence or distraction and it worked on myself. Um, I, I intensely worked on myself. I'm a completely different person. I don't take anything anymore. It's been a long time. I'm like I said, I'm 37. Um, if you were to have this conversation with me 10 years ago, I would be a, I wouldn't even be sitting here. I would be just a chaotic mess. Yeah. Um, my mind is mellowed out. Um, that's good. The answers come yeah. when you look inside. You got to take a look at yourself. Yeah. You, you really have to un understand yourself and know yourself. That's, that's the hard part, especially when you're just so fucked up in the head. Like you said, you know, you don't know where to start. You just, you know, you're fucked up, but you don't, you don't know where to start. You don't know what's wrong. Sometimes yeah. you don't even know there is anything wrong, but usually. You do. Right. Right. There's a certain point you realize it. And it's, it's whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. There's a point yeah. where you can acknowledge, accept. Um, and for some people, it, it's easier to just ignore it and continue on with these protective mechanisms that you have in place mm -hmm. um, and go about your, your, your day and your, go about your way. Because it's, um, you know, those protective mechanisms, they work for a while and, and they, they, they were in place and they were there when no one else was right for a yeah. long time for everybody. And, um, it's a scary thing to have to set that down when that's been there, when no one else has. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to trust. It's hard to go and move on. Yeah. You know, you hold on to whatever you can find. Yeah. So you, uh, were you prescribed anything that would, would have been considered medically correct for your situation? See, I don't know because I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe at that time, cause I was so erratic and chaotic and all over the place. Maybe that, maybe that worked at that time. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't think that meds are the answer because mm -hmm. If they were going to prescribe me those, look, the, the medical system isn't um, the best. I think there should be yeah. more uh, things in place. Um, yeah. I, like, for example, I don't feel that your general doctor should be able to prescribe you depression meds. Like, you need to go get evaluated. Um, yeah. Why? Because, like, depression meds, this is an example. Depression meds can actually tip the wrong person over into suicide. So like you need a, a doctor that is 
that's his specialty too, like a psych psychiatrist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I never got to sit down. I mean, I did, but like I said, there were vague appointments. Um, yeah. like I needed someone to correct to sit with me, you know. Yeah. So the doctor and know my name when I walk in, not just look on their paper. Oh, it's um, yeah. it's your appointment. Uh, are you Karen? Oh, oh no, Chrissy. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. You need a refill. You know. Um, yeah. You need to get to know me. Um, like I said, I don't know if it worked. I don't know if it was correct. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed to kind of work at the time, but I don't know if. Yeah. That wasn't the answer. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the answer. No. Yeah. Obviously, uh, I was getting loaded on everything else. Too. Yeah, I think I think the medical system tends to be very formulaic and, you know, just check the boxes and move on to the next patient. There's some good doctors. There's some bad doctors. A lot of the system is fucked <laughs> up, but there's also a little bit of good, too. You yeah. know, um, it just sucks. You have to have a ton of knowledge and a ton of, you know, to know to go look for yeah. that. It's not yeah. as known and, and as I mean, I just wish everyone could just know that, like, that is an option, but how would most people know that? If you just sit down and work on yourself, you can't just take a pill and ignore it. Yeah. It will it, only get worse. Yeah, you're you're leaning on a crutch that to be normal when whether it's working or not, and sometimes it mm -hmm. does, sometimes it doesn't, but what if that crutch goes away? You're just gonna be right where you started at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think about other meds that I was prescribed along the way. Um, once I was in my addiction and numbing, numbing my pain from every different angle, you know, I, I discovered prescription pills, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, Norco, Percocet. Um, I wasn't really a Xanax lover, um, but I, yeah. I did Valium and Valium's kind of like that, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're the same thing. They're benzodiazepines. Yeah. And I did have a lot of anxiety. I was a wreck. Um, obviously I was PTSD. Um, but regardless, I, I didn't know how to, mm -hmm. how to fix it. And I found a solu temporary solution. And so I, again, went to yet another doctor and I said, I have really bad anxiety. And I knew this is at the worst of my addiction where I would drink, take, do it all at one time. Because yeah. if I did it all at one time, I felt good for an hour or two, yeah. you know? So I was just straight partying. I was just fucked up all the time. And, you know, pills are expensive. So if I can mm -hmm. get the doctor to prescribe me this volume, you know? And um, so I just said my anxiety is really yeah. bad, which it was. I wasn't lying. And I got him to prescribe me the maximum amount that you can be prescribed, which was a lot. And I would go through those in like a week. Um, so like at that time he diagnosed me with extreme anxiety disorder, which that was the yeah. truth. <laughs> that was the truth. Um, handing me all those pills wasn't the answer. Mm -hmm. They just kept me high for a few years. Uh, yeah. Know, 10 years. <laughs> so, so mixing yeah. all those drugs and alcohol, would you say there were times that you can remember where it almost killed you? Because that's, very oh, I, I overdosed often. Yeah. I, I overdosed a lot. Um, a lot. I don't even know if half the times were accounted for. I just remember um, how I felt 
and I would just brush it off because why am I going to be like, Oh my God, I'm overdosing. Cause it's like, I, I still need to, I still want to be high. Like if I go to yeah. the hospital, like they're going to like put a, you know, a monkey wrench in my highness, you know, um, yeah. there was a time I did overdose too far. And I was, um, that's when I was 28, 29, something like that. And I, I woke up three days later in the hospital handcuffed to that, to the bed. And, wow. um, that, that was kind of intentional. Uh, I mean, I, was, I don't think I was trying to, I mean, I don't think I was trying to kill myself, but I just didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. And I, I just didn't know any other yeah. way. I didn't really want to die. I don't think. Yeah. No, I didn't. didn't I just, I didn't know how else to get out. Yeah. So I took a bottle of vodka, you know, the so two handfuls of pills and it was all down in uh, two a minute. Two minutes. So how did they treat you at the hospital when you woke up? What was that like? Oh, I had a headache. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really bad headache. Uh, I was pissed off that I was, I had the headache and that I was handcuffed. Um, I don't remember much. I remember being angry that they wouldn't let me go. Um, they said I wasn't healthy enough that my body could like shut down and stop. And although I understood that I didn't want to be there, I wanted to go. I was just saying, you know, I was messed mm -hmm. up. I was angry. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't remember much about it. I just remember that I was angry and I try to, you know, get my way, get out of there. Um, yeah. And I said anything I needed to say to get out of there. And they released me finally because I was just throwing a fit. And they released me too early. And I had to go back a couple of days later because I felt like I was dying. Like it felt like everything was shutting down inside. Yeah. Um, that was scary. <laughs> um, and I kind of was dying when I went back and then I just let them keep me and work on me. So I didn't die, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't really remember. Um, Do you know yeah. if those were prescription drugs or street drugs or both? Oh, that I took that time. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was a handful of Norcos, um, you know, a handful of Norcos. I took a handful of the Xanax. And I had recent, right before, this is horrible. Oh, I should, I almost don't, I don't know if, where you're going to put this video. I almost don't want anybody to hear this part. I don't know. Um, I it's just gonna... did some research prior to that. And I, I just knew that if you did something, it would really, it would do some damage. And so I added yeah. that something in. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I wanted to make a point or if I wanted to die. I just don't, I don't think I wanted to die. I'm I don't know. I haven't figured that out. I just wanted to make a point, but why I threw that extra thing in there, it mm -hmm. really messed. It gave me permanent uh, liver damage. I've actually repaired it, but at that time nice. it, it, it fucked me up. Do you know? Yeah, so they were prescription meds. They weren't mine. I, I was at the point I was selling drugs too. At that time I was selling okay. pills a lot of the Norcos, I needed them. Um, yeah. the, I loved, you know, the, I was an opiate lover and I, I needed the pills. So I would sell the pills. I mean, I was doing all kinds of just cr very bad, crazy things at that time. I was mentally unhealthy. That's mm -hmm. why. Um, and I was, oh my God, I was selling, I was making so much money. I, there's so many pills went in and out of my hands. So I had a, a ton. So as many as I could fit in my hand from buying People would sell me their script. I had some consistent people I would buy from. I had a setup, um, you know, so they were a prescription. 
yeah. prescriptions of people, um, not mine. Yeah. Okay. So were you prescribed any of those meds though at the time? Do you know? Yeah. Those Valiums. The okay. Valiums. So did they make you any know, changes? You know, at that time, at that time, I don't think I was taking like the uh, psych meds anymore. I'm okay. trying to think. I don't think I was. And if I was, because I remember being scared to mix them, <laughs> like what I was doing was any worse. <laughs> but I just remember thinking, these are psych meds. Like, I don't, you know, all the alcohol I drank. I, I may have tapered it off. I can't really remember. So what I'm getting at is, you know, I'm just wondering if they were, if they were in a position in which you were taking meds that you were prescribed and if they were responsible enough to review those prescriptions because I'm, I'm just wondering just nobody sat down with me nobody sat down with me I mean more than like a you know a 15 30 minute appointment like I said you know um, mm -hmm. it wasn't until later in my life in my 30s where I know um yeah you know, I mean, how could they not tell I was super loaded on other things, but I just try to collect myself the best I could for that little 15, 30 minute appointment, 15 minutes um, to act like the, the meds were working and the, the volumes and that everything was fine. For a long time, I was scared to lose the psych meds because I thought they were kind of working. So if they, if I, if they were to find out I was doing other stuff too, that would just screw up my whole thing that I had my whole little protective barrier I had built around myself so I was really careful to you know mind my p's and q's in those little tiny appointments where they didn't yeah. know anything about me yeah and I think a lot of doctors will just allow that allow it to be that way and I was really poor I was on the street for a very very long time and so those were county doctors well I don't know how to describe it so when you're um like you're on the insurance, like from the government, like, mm -hmm. um, like if you need psych, if you need help, you can go apply for this certain insurance. So then there's only a handful of doctors that work with that kind of insurance, you know, or the, the state or the government, I can't remember the state insurance. So like those doctors don't give a shit. I'm yeah. not paying them, you know, 200 an hour to get to sit down and get to know me. Yeah. Right those doctors didn't give a shit and there was plenty of them that I seen. Yeah. So what was it that, uh, inspired you to make the change and to start getting off of those drugs and alcohol? Um, I really got tired of it. I was tired of it for a very long time and I didn't know how to get off of it all. I didn't know how to get out of that life. Mm -hmm. I remember right before I did that big overdose, um, I had a one bedroom apartment. <clears throat> I remember that there was a kitchen. I had a kitchen table and the chairs and it was right there before you would turn to go into the hallway. And I just remember years and years, a decade almost of just being in this addiction and trying to figure this out. And, um, well, for the most part, for the most part, and I couldn't get off of alcohol, especially alcohol, especially the pills. I mean, the uh, opiates, there was just no way I, I thought about it, thought about it. I tried, I tried, I had no answers. Nobody was helping me. Um, and I just walked by that table and I, 
I just remember grabbing the chair and I just kind of like gasped, like sad, depressed, just kind of like, I remember I held myself up with the chair and I had my hand on it and I thought to myself, you're just going to have to accept that you will have to drink alcohol every day for the rest of your life. You know, you're going to have to work and have a job and have a family and you will, cause I couldn't stop. I fucking tried. And I, so I said, well, since I can't quit, I just need to accept that it's going to have to be a daily part of my life. And yeah. I'm going to have to figure out how to work around it. Um, like that's what I was thinking then. Isn't that crazy? And so I just was accepting it in that moment. I'm going to have to just drink every day. And it, it was a bummer like wow. to think that. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to have to. Like, nobody, I didn't have any answers. Um, yeah. So I'd always wanted to, you know, I always wanted. I, some people enjoy mm -hmm. the chaos, I believe. I didn't. I, I really wanted just stability. Um, yeah. It wasn't long after that. It was either before or after that that the overdose happened. I can't remember. It was around that time. Um, the big overdose. And I never really, I wasn't sure if I wanted kids or not. Um, but I did make the decision early on in my life that, um, until I figured that out, I was going to make sure I had fun and did my thing. Um, beforehand because I didn't want to if I did have a kid I didn't want to like resent the kid and be mad and like you know you're not I can't go do anything because of you so I made sure to get all the fun and party out of my system which mm. I did and um so around that time I, I a little bit after that I, I I it just hit me one day you know I wanted to have a kid a daughter it just I just was ready all of a sudden one day in the midst of all the freaking chaos like what a horrible time and then so right after that I found me a boyfriend and I got pregnant um so I planned that out even though I was not in the right place to do so um and dude I got my shit together real fast so the the baby was a big part of the motivation then oh yeah you know her father isn't in her life anymore it's just her and I am a single parent uh, I don't it's just me um, but I it's like I'll be damned if my daughter is going to go through what I did like I had to get my mind right so that she can have a healthy mind so that she can not so that she doesn't go through what I did so that she has options and she's happy and healthy and not so fucked up trying to figure out what life is and um i didn't want any mental okay some parents every parent has a different thing that they want for their family and their kids you know it could be a stable home with dinner on the table every night and you know your kids are in sports and all this well my thing is mental health i want her mental health to be it is very important to me and yeah. that is the number one thing aside from a roof over our head um yeah. So mental health is very important. Um, I wasn't ever taught to express my emotions, uh, anger, all those things were a part mm -hmm. of my life. And I, I got it straight or I worked it hard at getting it straight. I'm yeah. still working at it. Um, I'd say I'd, I've succeeded. She, she's, yeah, um, she's not going to have a life like I did. It ain't going to happen. That's great. So mm -hmm. what are some steps you've taken 
uh, based on what you've learned to help your daughter with her develop a healthy mind? <clears throat> what steps did I take? Um, like, what do you mean? Like, like what do I do we, with her? Yeah, is there anything that you do that that you do very intentionally to? Oh try yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so you know, with with a rageful, angry father, um, anytime any kind of um, emotions came up out of me. Um, you know, screamed at and punished, especially when I was going through puberty, you know, like getting mm -hmm. your, your hormones, first of all, is already confusing and hard enough to like sift through and figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Let alone, you know, you have these emotions and you have a parent who is abusing you mm -hmm. horribly for having those emotions. Like it just fucks your head up, you know? And, um, emotions I was taught you just don't have them you, you and if you have them you know instead just rage and yell and scream and hit um so with my daughter it, it's taken me a while to get comfortable with it um but now it's normal um so whenever she's upset or happy or confused or any emotion at all I make sure that we sit down and we um acknowledge the emotion uh, we, we feel it. Um, say she falls down and, and scrapes her knee and she's crying. Cause you know, it's a big deal when they scrape yeah. her knee. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, and says, stop it. Stop crying. You know, no. Okay. Let's see. Oh my gosh. I bet that really hurt. Um, I know that you're scared and it, oh gosh, I know it looks scared. You know, I acknowledge every ounce of it and I let her yeah. tell me how she feels and we acknowledge it, feel the emotion for a moment you know, a, a good mm -hmm. amount of time. And then, and then, okay, it's time to, we felt it. Now we're, we're feeling better. Okay. We can get up and we can walk, um, acknowledging the emotions. God, what a difference it makes. Yeah. You know, shoving that shit down. Just, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm used to yeah. shoving all that stuff down and it's not good for you. <laughs> it's not, um, but it's a learning process. You know, yeah. um, I, when I had my daughter, I had never, like, I wasn't a hugger. Um, and like the first real hug I ever gave somebody was my daughter. You know, I wasn't comfortable with emotions. Yeah. So what was the, uh, emotional journey like becoming more emotionally aware so that you are in a place Scary. where you can't do that? Scary. That's so scary. Oh my God. It was so scary. I just remember only living my entire life this one way, this one way, you know, with all my protective mechanisms in place. And mm -hmm. uh, I do that because I feel like it puts a wall around you, you know, that's what, and, oh, yeah. um, I mean, you're safe kind of in the there. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all these walls and boundaries and these uh, masks that you wear to protect yourself because you don't know any better and that's okay. You know, and that's, that's totally okay, especially when your whole reality, you only know one thing. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sure if more people knew there's more things, it would, you know, it would come into their reality and it could change either way. Um, it was scary. So I only knew this one way and, you know, I was making an effort to change it. There was a time period that I set just to change myself. Like I said, I left town, I left everybody and everything I knew so that I could focus on myself, not worry about how I looked 
mm-hmm. where I could get hot, any of that stuff. And um, it got real. So I remember I, I started writing, uh, or typing a lot. Um, there's this website called Quora. I don't know if you heard about it. I have, yeah. Okay, so I, um, I I had very, very high narcissistic traits. I don't want to say I was narcissistic. I don't like when people label anything like that, but I, I yeah, had very I high agree. narcissistic traits. Yeah. And yeah. I did that, obviously, to protect myself. You know, I, I was an asshole. Um, and so as I, I, I made a profile on Quora under a fake name, and I did that so I can write openly and honestly without any judgment or anybody without hurting anybody's feelings whatever offending people and holy shit everything came out of me man I healed I learned things about myself um I got this huge following real fast because I wrote as like I was the narcissist who or narcissistic Mm -hmm. uh borderline whatever uh and I was changing and becoming self-aware and I got a lot of hate and criticism that, Oh, you know, borderlines and narcissists, they can't, they, they can't change and whatever bullshit. Oh yeah. Um, but anyways, I learned a lot about myself and I, one of the things I wrote about was, um, how you see life this one way for so long and you start, you turn around and you start to see the other side and the, the healthy way and the normal, whatever the, the other way. And it is so fucking scary. It is so scary. It is so scary that I can see why people will turn back around and say, screw this, because there is nothing to protect you anymore in this vulnerable, open world. It's scary. No drugs, no, you, no being an asshole. No. Mm-hmm. And I fucking did it, man. I took the days very slow. I didn't put too much pressure on myself. And each day I just tried to be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more open and honest. Um, I tried, I just, I just slowly went at it, but I kept going at it because I was going to change. And that was my goal. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, and it took about a, a year to fully, I'm not fully there. We're not ever, that, what I mean is yeah. to completely come out of that garbage that I was in. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it, and it worked and I, I'm, and then it jazzes you up. See, this is the thing, yeah. the other side, I just wish I could tell people this or show them. Yeah. It seems so scary that coming up to that wall and having to approach it is so mm-hmm. scary. I know, but what's on the other side is so freeing and beautiful and light. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're not tied down anymore. And it and, feels so, it is not, it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wish people knew it's so beautiful on the other side. It's so corny. It sounds so corny. It mm-hmm. is the only way to describe it. Um, and so that jazzes me up to keep going and keep discovering. And, um, you know, I started this website uh, all about this kind of stuff. I took a look at your website and you said that you used to be very uh, self-critical and very hard on yourself. And oh, yeah. you, you've changed that somewhat you've learned to be nicer to yourself how how did you do that uh that's still something i'm learning what goes on in the mind is is so hard to um to to 
to grasp sometimes, you know, yeah. um, I actually just recently kind of went through that change. Um, I was actually seeing a real, um, psychologist, no medicine, just a doctor that would listen to me and, you know, and, yeah. um, I was, I was, that's when I realized talking to her that I was self shaming. I, I was beating myself up. I mean, bad. I'd be like, you know, I was, I would be like, you know, talking really bad to myself. Um, fuck you, stupid bitch. You know, you, you, you dumb. Yeah. Like I would just shame myself to get myself to do something, even the simplest things. And like, why was I doing that? I don't know. I think it's just programmed into me. Uh, yeah. So I just, I was talking really bad to myself, cussing myself out to get myself to do even the simplest of things. Like, why didn't you fill out that paperwork? You dumb bitch, like really bad stuff. And, um, I just had to learn to catch myself because when you talk to yourself really bad, whether you realize it or not, it reflects out in your reality. You've got people mm-hmm. around you disrespecting you. You've got people around you treating you like shit. Um, you know, yeah. you're surrounding yourself with that crap. If you're telling yourself that crap and I was going mm-hmm. through some crap about, you know, two years ago and um, I had to really change that. And I couldn't figure it out, but I've become a master trying to figure shit out, or at least I think I'm, I can do it. So I discovered one day, um, so it was so uncomfortable and so cheesy and so corny, but I did it because I found that through those cheesy, corny things, I find, um, the truth. (laughs) So I found uh, on YouTube, these, this video, it was more like an audio, um, it's still kind of weird to say it, but it was a, a list of things like this lady would say things like, I love myself. Mm-hmm. I love my different things about yourself that you love. I love my personality. I love my body. I love all these things, like a ton of them. And it was like 15 minutes. And the first time I played it, I, I couldn't even get through the first few seconds of the things that you know, you, you would say like, I love myself. I'm, you know, I started crying and it was very uncomfortable and I shut it off. I didn't cry hard. It was just like awkward. Um, and then I I was like, okay, there's something there because this is awkward. I need to come back to this, whatever came back to it. You know, a few hours later, I put my daughter to bed and I put it on and I listened to it and I, it was very uncomfortable and I listened to it by the next week. You know, I kept trying to listen to it. Um, I started putting it on at night because, you know, everything settles down at night. The mind starts going. And I said, well, instead of thinking about all these things that stress me out during the day and whatever life and how horrible life can be and life is. And, you know, why don't I replace it with this positive stuff Yeah. to go to sleep to instead of all this horrible shit. Right. And I did that for a couple of weeks. And wow, <laughs> what a change. Oh my God. It, it, it just, I don't know if these changes are as big as, as, as I'm explaining them to be, but they really do feel like it in the moment, you know, at the time, yeah. maybe it's cause I came from so much shit, but so, yeah, it really changed how I talked to myself. So what would you recommend people with a lot of negative self-talk do to help improve their self-talk 
Well, if you if you first, you have to be aware. You know, you have to be yeah. aware, and and um, if you're aware and you want to make the change, you have to be aware aware, and you have to want to. Um, once, I believe when there's a will, there is a way. Um, yeah. You will find a way. Um, if you're a drug user and you can't get out of your drugs like I was, um, and some people never come out of it, right? Um, you know, but there's a will to get that drug and, and mm -hmm. you will get that drug, you know, and same with, um, changing your mindset or anything, anything at all. Uh, so, yeah. you, you know, you'll just, you'll find the answers, but you've got to replace, you've got to catch those thoughts. And, um, I even, what I ended up doing sometimes too, was I would set, um, alarm, where's my phone? I would set alarms on my phone every few hours to check in with my thoughts. And yeah. I did that for a few weeks um, to where I didn't really need the alarms anymore to where when I started like talking crap to myself, like yeah. say I break something, you stupid bitch in my head, I would catch it. And instead I would say, oh, oh, that's okay. I'm just a human, you know, I just a human makes mistakes, not a big yeah. deal, just clean it up. And when I did that, my, a lot of my anger went away too. Um, I'm not so harsh and yelling and I don't want to be yelling and snapping like mm -hmm. my father did. So that it was important to me to change that. So you just got to catch it and you set alarms, put post-it notes up um, until you get in the rhythm of catching it and replacing that crappy thought process with something positive yeah. about yourself. And it's okay. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. You're only human. It's okay. Yeah. You know, you didn't get that thing done today. Oh my God, the world's not going to end. It's okay. You're busy. There will be tomorrow and you tried. It's okay. You know. So you just set reminders of, of whatever sort works for you, wherever you can, basically. Yeah. What do you, so to check in, so if you have a, an alarm, okay, check in with my thoughts. What am I thinking right now? And even when that, after that alarm goes off, you can, it'll still kind of mm -hmm. be in your mind for a little bit of, you know, five, 10 minutes. Yeah. And you might catch yourself with the thought. As soon as you have that thought, replace it instantly with something yeah. completely on the opposite side, something positive. And it takes a, a little bit of time to get in that habit, but it doesn't take long. Um, replace it with something positive. Yeah. So about what? yourself. So when you were uh, originally setting those alarms and, and such, were you having a hard time with, uh, with, you know, oh, this is a lot, I'm going to, you know, this is a lot of effort, a lot of commitment, you know, every few hours or whatever, or were you no. okay with it? No. Um, the only time I had a big trouble with the commitment was when I was doing that big change that I said I left town. Um, mm -hmm. That was the only time it was super scary because, um, but I can see how it can be for some people, especially if this is your first big step into your first big step into something um, different and new. I can see how it can be, but um, it, it wasn't for me. Um, my mind is busy all the time as it is. So it was kind of like giving my mind something to do that I, yeah. you know, some positive to do. I'm curious, uh, since you have your website, is that a personal business that you've got? Trying to, um, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, definitely takes more work than, um, it's more work than one person can do, but I'm trying to do it. Um, I'm, yeah. 
I'm headed, I, you know, I have a business plan, a direction I'm headed, but I mean, when it's only one person, it takes a lot of time and I'm oh, okay yeah. with that. I already projected it would take a couple of years. Uh, well, I was hoping not, but now I see, but doing mm. it over a year and there's yeah. just so much not there that needs to be there. But I, I learned quick and um, I think I'm much farther than I should be for someone who didn't know anything. Um, yeah. And, you know, I built the site, I did it all. And, and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to learn. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I found that my, my writing is my, my thing. That's good. Uh, yeah, it so, is a business. It's headed there. Trying. So um, how do you, did you struggle with being overwhelmed at all? Because there are so many different things that you have to do. Oh yeah. With the website or life? You, both, well, yeah. <laughs> that's fair um, with, with the, the website oh my god it is not meant for everybody no it is not meant for everybody I can say that right now especially if you're doing it by yourself oh god no I've heard of couples who have started blogs and, and had threw up their hands and said screw this there is so many moving parts you look at this website and you're like look at that's so simple like oh you just write a few things you put a few pictures up oh my god that is not what it is that is not what it is. There's so many moving parts. And the actual reason I decided to do it was because there's so many moving parts. And like I said, my mind is always. And that was a way to, to just center all of the shit into one spot. And keep that active mind busy on something. Um, yeah, it, it, I needed that. I needed that. Um and I found all that healing when I wrote on Quora, like, yeah, this is good for me, you know? And I want it, the thing is, I, it's not for, I mean, it is for me, but I genuinely, my, where I'm headed is I want to help people who don't know how to, you know, how, like I was, yeah. I want to help people. Yeah. I thought that Quora story was really interesting, actually, because, uh, you know, so, journaling your, your thoughts and your feelings and, and all that can be very very helpful but you did it in a very very unique way which yeah I thought was interesting I'm not one to journal or all that stuff you know I've never been one to like I don't know I always found it so cheesy like you get your journal out and you're like oh today I picked a flower and you know mm-hmm. I petted a dog to like I just found that so awkward but um the way on Quora I don't know it just it sure did open up a Pandora's box that's for sure I everything poured out of me man I that fake name though it it let me write yeah so the anonymity helped a lot I'm sure is there um is there anything that you do now to try to more anonymously share your thoughts and feelings or is it I'm not really hiding anymore okay I'm not I uh I mean, there's still parts to my story that I, yeah. um, I, I, I am going to share it all eventually. Maybe I'll write a book or something. Um, but it's not quite there yet, but I, I trust that when the time, when it's time for me to, uh, deal with it and share it, not deal with it. I've, I feel like I've dealt with it, but share it, that it will present itself. Um, and I feel like I'm working, I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I trust that when it's time for whatever, that it will happen. Yeah. And 
from the sound of it, you've got a lot on your hands right now. So it might be better to wait until things settle down a little. I do. Oh, my God. I have so much on my hands. Yeah, but yeah, at least at least it's not chaos. And um, at least I've got a good, healthy mind now. That took a lot of work. Yeah, that's amazing that some people never get there unfortunately it's scary and i understand you know it's scary it is scary too yeah it's scary yeah it is i hope to one day move into a podcast that's a that's a with my you know down the road when i have time and everything is figured out i mean that's not a reality yet but that would be great for me one day i I think that would be kind of cool especially to have people come on you know and Mm -hmm. Have so some meaningful shit said. Oh yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love these conversations. Yeah. So what um what kind of podcast would you have? What would it be about? Um it would be you know, the thing about my website, it says Chrissy's Tarot Life and you know what tarot is, right? Tarot cards. Mm-hmm. Um and I I started it long, I'm not even going to tell the whole story. I don't feel like doing that right now. I don't think you want to hear it anyways. Um, but it just somehow it, it morphed into this mental health thing. Um, changing the name of a blog isn't that easy, especially once you're already kind of established. Um, so it's not like I could just change the name. So, I mean, regardless of its name, it is all about mental health and, you know, just kind of what I was talking about at the end there. And, you know, so I think maybe the, maybe the podcast would be, um, Kind of like what my website it like talks about. Um, see, I don't really know. I uh, I haven't really thought it out because I'm not there yet. But I wanted to just. Ha- I I would like. I'm a talker. I would like to have the message spread that way too. Yeah. Maybe have people on um, sharing. Kind of like what you're saying. Actually, I don't. I'm not stealing your idea. <laughs> but yeah, kind of like that, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, this conversation is fantastic and it's nice to have a, another adult to talk to on the same level because oh, yeah. I don't think this, this doesn't happen. Um, yeah, it doesn't oh. happen, but I have to of, end it and I'm really sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm it was a good conversation. conversation. Me too. Um, and thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, I honestly didn't expect to get anything out of this email, but thank you. Yeah, thank you. I was, I was thrilled when you emailed me because usually it's me reaching out to people to interview them, you know, and I was like, somebody wants to interview me. (laughs) Wow. You know, so yeah. And you, you know, you were cool. It's not like you're being a weirdo or anything. So it was, yeah. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I will let you go. Well, have a good day. Yeah. And yeah. So nice to meet you. Yeah, you too.